0: Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's our pleasure to have you with us today, and please stay uh, for the whole hour because we are in a, a good uh, spot today to learn about the flood. You know, we are looking in the book of Genesis, and we learn about the uh, the fall. We learn about uh, the consequences of sin. And this is a major thing in the Genesis, in the Old Testament, talking about the flood. Let me introduce our panel for today. And I would like to say hello to Len. Good to have you with us, Len. Thank you, Nick. And hello, listeners. And also thank you, Joe, for being part of this panel.
1: Thank you, Nick. It's always a pleasure to be here.
0: Now, we have a quite uh, a very good. Um, uh, balance today with the uh, ladies and men. And for the first time with us, Sharon, it's good to have you with us joining Bible study.
2: It's good to be here, Nick. Thanks for inviting me.
0: And we have also Lija with us today. Lija, thank you for joining.
3: I feel very blessed. Thank you.
0: And Brenton, you are uh, the one who prepared this Bible study and facilitating today. Thank you for joining. Absolute
4: privilege. It's good to, as you said, Nick, to have Sharon on. We have two Southeast representatives. That's I have, good. Good. Uh, look, um, I would just like to share a brief introduction with you, Then I'm going to ask Nick if you would pray for us as we move into our study. There's just a couple of things I felt that were necessary to say. We could make this a very long introduction, but we'll only uh, make it a, a brief one for purposes of time. The term cataclysmic is an off used word in our society today and generally refers to devastation on a massive local or even global scale. However, when I was researching this, one of the interesting things I found is that one of its original meanings is a cataclysmic event is a flood, which aptly describes the universal deluge that engulfed the whole of the globe, only nine generations after Adam came from the hand of God. The changes the universal deluge wrought on our planet and subsequent life, what we know as post-diluvian, were profound and affect us to this day. In our study today, we will briefly look at God's judgment on the flood, his care for Adam and his family, the only survivors from the antediluvian age, and his constant and continuing care for us today. Nick, I wondered if you'd pray for us before
0: we launch into uh, the study today. Sure, Brenton. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, almighty God, the creator and sustainer of all things, glory be to your name. We are approaching a study today about the flood. And Lord, even though we can see with our own eyes today uh, lots of things going on in the world, uh, lots of floods, uh, lots of unrest, sometimes it's hard to comprehend. And maybe for some people to believe that a global flood would have taken place. But it's in your word and we are going to look into the Bible to see it, to understand and how it relates to our faith in you. I pray, dear Father in heaven, that you'll uh, bless us with the Holy Spirit to understand, to put in practice and to allow you to teach us, Lord, today, because we are safe when we are under your guidance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for uh, opportunity to study Bible together today. And please bless each member of the panel and every listener yes. that will be blessed today. And to take home a message which you like us to mm-hmm. understand, mm-hmm. I pray in Jesus' name. Mm.
4: Amen. Thank you, Nick, and thank you, panel. Some of the key points that I've noted, and by all means, this is far from exhaustive, but these are some of the things that came about as a result of what we believe was a universal flood. The seasons were much more clearly defined, and if you read Genesis 8.22, you'll find that God refers to summer and winter um, and various other things, which is never referred to in the Scripture prior to this. Uh, there was a probable tilting of the Earth's surface from the vertical axis to 23.5 degrees. There is some conjecture on this um, if you look at scientific research. However, one of the reasons for believing it may have taken place is this. Um, not only um, a vertical axis would have given us a universal climate, in other words, the seasons would have been much less clearly defined than they are now, uh, but Core samples that were taken only about two years ago by a scientific expedition from, I think, Australia down to the Antarctic, they drilled down through the ice uh, sheet that covers nearly all of the Antarctic um, continent and found that uh, the samples that they took indicated that at one time, this place had a subtropical climate. So. That tends to bolster the argument that there was a time when the earth's axis was either vertical or very much more vertical. The earth, we believe, according to scripture, and it's found in Genesis 2.6, prior to the flood, there was no such thing as rain. Genesis 2.6 makes it clear that the earth was watered by mist at creation that God sent each evening, very much along the lines of our sprinklers, I guess, that we put on at night during a dry season. Man's lifespan after the flood was drastically reduced, and it's probable that a much greater area of the Earth's surface is now covered by water. We know that 70% of it is currently covered by water. Then we turn to man's diet. The original diet that God gave to Adam and Eve after the flood was supplemented by the introduction of meat eating. Um, That changed not only man's lifespan, I believe, it also changed the relationship between man and animals, and shortened man's lifespan. The interpersonal relationships between uh, people changed after the flood, where God gave some very specific uh, commands as to what was to happen uh, under certain circumstances, such as murder. And, of course, last but not least, after the flood, God gave them the same command that he gave to to Adam and Eve at the beginning. He restated it by stating, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, one of the questions that we could touch on just briefly is, are there any other effects that we can see today from flood in the natural world? Sharon, would you like to uh, share a comment on that one? I can see your hand um, waving.
2: Uh, just, just very briefly, um, I've studied a little bit of um, geology over the years and yes. <laughs> it's the flood is really the only satisfactory explanation that I've had. Uh, Found for what, you know why do we have marine fossils on the tops of mountains and so forth? The, yes. The when, once I'd gotten my head around the the universal flood paradigm, it was actually a huge relief. It, it just it, things make so much more sense. What you observe in nature, like like bent folded rocks and yes, uh, the um layers in the Grand Canyon, all these things make they didn't make sense to me until I understood the how the flood is described in the Bible and matched it to the to what I see.
4: Mm. Thanks, Sharon. That's very good. Anyone else got a thought? Lynn?
5: It's interesting that the layering of um, rock is very noticeable in the Grand Canyon where there's no signs of erosion, that the layers are flat without erosion. Mm. Indicates mm. that... Um, they were laid down quickly and they haven't been eroded because if it was millions and millions of years for this to happen, there would certainly be obvious gullies and gutters in them. Mm-hmm. I just want to mention a couple of other things. Sure,
4: sure.
5: I don't know if you've ever heard of polystrate fossils. This is like where you'll find a fossilised tree. that's growing through, well, appears to have grown through Layers of rock that are multi-millions of years old. Now, this is not possible. Mm. And then two other quick ones, well, maybe three. Oil, people say that it's taken very long times for oil to form. But it's been shown that oil can form very quickly. Same with coal. Yes. can form quite quickly. And I just want to give one other one, which is perhaps more about the age of the Earth than about the flood. Do you know the sea is not salty enough? Yeah. Yeah. It's just not salty enough. If the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, the uh, sea should be um, pretty much full of saturated, uh, would be a saturated solution. Yes. And nothing else would dissolve in it. So. Mm There are just a couple of quick things, but I don't want to uh, bore all our listeners with a whole lot of scientific stuff. But these are some things which are obvious. Yes. And point to the fact that the earth is not that old as what many people claim.
4: Yeah, thank you. Sharon, you had a further comment. Just
2: just a little thing. Um, Since the the science of the flood is not the focus of our lesson, if any of our listeners want to... Understand what that better. There's so much more and it's super interesting. So, for me, I got I found um, Walter Weitz's uh, Genesis Conflict series really good. There's another guy called Chad Kreutzer. You can see him on YouTube. Uh, also, uh, Answers in Genesis, if any of our listeners want to follow up on, on the
1: science part of it.
4: Mm, thanks, Sharon. That's good. Joe, did you have any thoughts on this?
1: Yes, actually, for whatever it's worth, um, they've been just, just scanning during my search and research for this week's. Um, panel discussion, I came across multiple sightings of Noah's Ark cl- or claims of Noah's yes. um, you know, yeah. sightings. So, um, you know, they can't all be lying. They must have seen something or evidence of it either through local, um, you know, stories that were handed down and yeah. visual, like sometimes, yeah. And the reason it can't be explored is due to the political and cultural issues yes. and tensions yeah. in the area. But apparently lots of people have seen it. So, There you go. Don't
4: know. Thank you, Joe. No, that's good. I'd like to say this,
5: and I believe this is very important, and there may be some of you listeners who have got your doubts about whether there was a worldwide flood. Generally, those who reject the story of the flood also reject the story of creation Mm, and ultimately reject the Old Testament. I know somebody who's actually spoken to me about this, who said, I believe in Jesus and I believe in what he said, but I don't believe in all that Old Testament stuff. And yet Jesus himself said and uh, alluded to on many occasions about creation and the flood. And I'd just like to read a statement of his in Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39 and these are the words of Jesus as it was in the days of Noah so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man for in the days before the flood people were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away now if Jesus believed and accepted the Old Testament story of the flood. There is no reason at all for anybody to reject it.
4: Mm, thank you, Len. That's a very positive comment. Joe, I'd like you to read Genesis six, verses one to three and verse five to eight for us. We're going to look at it in a in a structured way. We're going to look at the preparation for the flood. The first thing we need to know. Is why did God, after a mere nine generations of human beings on this earth, decide that the situation was so bad that he had to wipe it out? In other words, decreate it. So I wondered if you could share those verses with us, Joe, and maybe just briefly summarize what some of the key sins were that were mentioned here as to why God saw it was necessary to destroy mankind.
1: Chapter 6. Verse 1, now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his Mm -hmm. days shall be one hundred and twenty years. And then.
0: It's interesting
1: how quickly depravity and sinfulness and violence uh, multiplied and counter-multiplied shortly after the first sin. The first, you know, people said, oh, it was only just taking a piece of fruit. And yet look at where it's led us. It led us. Last week we studied about the first murder um, of Abel, and we know that from that study Cain had gone separately, I think it was to the east of Eden, and and had his own families, you know, and they multiplied. And very soon we had like these two, you know, we had Seth's line and we've had Cain's line. And then here we have the introduction of this intermarriage happening. And we know that whenever that happens, it doesn't make those who are evil, (laughs) those who are evil, better, somehow it just seems to go the other way. Yes. It just seems to go yeah. the other way. So mm-hmm. that very soon the whole world seemed to be polluted with violence and um, and rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. And so God has reached a point where he knows that should he allow it to go any further, the whole plan of salvation was probably going to be in jeopardy. And so mm-hmm. he says enough is enough. The burden of sin is just too great for the planet even to bear and the suffering of those, the innocent ones who are suffering. And so he decides that he's going to bring it in, bring it to a close. And so, of course, we end with verse eight, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord.
4: Yeah. We'll come to that one in just a second, Joe, but thank you for reading it for us. Yeah. Does anyone else have a comment on this? Nick or Lydia? Yes, I see hands going up everywhere.
0: Just very briefly, I wanted to point out something um, after what Joe's reading there. You know, Joe mentioned that, you know, after the flood, even the life expectancy, you know, was shortened. And it specifically mentioned that uh, 120 years. Now, this is very complex, and we are not going to uh, get into that probably. But before, you know, even though sin was still in place, and uh, people lived hundreds of years now from a evolutionist uh, perspective to to look at the evolution things you know you need a huge amount of time uh, for things to to change and to do all those things it's very interesting that because of certain things which were cut off because of the flood and in particular we know now through the science in, in medicine and all those things that life span can be shortened even because of your lifestyle you know like what you eat what you drink all those things and we acknowledge here and we are going to talk a little bit more probably that you know after the flood there were certain things which humanity started to do and particularly eating differently you know and no wonder that the that was shortened, you know, the life span. Mm. Just one, one uh, little thing there, um, and we can grasp from here some very good lessons, you know, objects lessons, and to support what the Bible says in regard to stages of life on this mm-hmm. earth.
4: Nick, it's a good thought, and I believe the introduction of meat eating certainly was one of the factors, mm-hmm. not the only one, but one of the factors in. Uh, Lydia, you had a comment for us.
3: Um, Okay. Uh, Joe was reading. uh, Yes. I'd like to mention verse 4 in uh, Genesis chapter 6. It says that the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were the heroes of old men of renown. We observe here two classes of worshippers. So, they were the sons of God who worshipped yes. God. Yes. And they intermarry with daughters of men. It means they intermarry with those ladies and, you know, women that they didn't worship God. They didn't yes. love God. They worshipped mm. idols. Mm. So, from here, we observe the dis- disobedience that erupted again. Because mm. when the sons of God intermarried with daughters of men they didn't worship god anymore they worshiped idols because probably they went to after their wives uh, worshiped so mm. when this disobedience erupted again the the evil grew so big that they turned against god and mm. god got god got hurt
4: yeah, I, I believe that's a very good uh, point, Lidja. Um Can we move on, guys, to verse 9? I wonder, Len, could you read verse 9 for us? Joe read verse 8, and she actually read something interesting. She said, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What does verse 9 say? Maybe you could comment on that, because I found that a very interesting verse.
5: All right. Are we reading from Genesis 6?
4: Yes, thank you. And
5: it says, I'll be reading from the New International Version. Says Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Now, the expression is not quite the same in the NIV as in some other um, versions. True. In another version that says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It simply means this, that Noah worship God and honoured him and obeyed him. Whereas the, the large majority, which was just about everybody else, um, did not worship God. God was in the background. They lived according to their own desires. And um, God saw that these people were really corrupt. They were corrupt not just in what they did, but even in what they thought, because the expression is the uh, their thoughts were evil, only evil, continually. That's yeah. a terrible state of affairs. By the way, it was mentioned a little earlier, I think you said it, Brenton, there was nine generations yes. after creation that the flood came. In years, it's been calculated that it was 1,442. Right.
2: I love verse 8, and Noah found grace in grace the, eyes, in of the,
4: the eyes of the Lord. Yeah.
2: It's so beautiful. And and I, I'm grateful to also to the lesson which pointed out to me for the first time. In all of the preparation time for the ark, in all those couple of chapters, Noah doesn't say a word. No, no. He does this. He does that. He does this. He do, it's almost repeat, repetition of God's creation, and God did that, and God did that, and he just says, "God." Well, he doesn't say, but it obviously shows by his actions that he takes God at His word. He understands um, the way God thinks, and he he just goes along with it and knows that this is the only. Path to safety, staying exactly in doing what God says, and that's a what because he knew he he decided to trust exactly what God said. So the, the finding grace and uh, later in Hebrews talking by faith, sort of linked concepts, and it shows in his actions so so beautifully and repetitively.
4: Yes. Yeah, I like the term walked with God because immediately it came to my mind. He must have been emulating uh, basically the religious experience of I think it was his great grandfather. I might stand corrected on that um, A guy by the name of Enoch. I think we all know um, about Enoch. And there was a quote here that um, I thought was worth sharing. I wonder, Joe, would you read that quote for us, please?
1: Enoch continued to grow more heavenly while communing with God. His face was radiant with a holy light which would remain upon his countenance while instructing those who would hear his words of wisdom. The Lord loved Enoch because he steadfastly followed him and abhorred iniquity and earnestly sought heavenly knowledge that he might do his will perfectly he yearned to unite himself still more closely to God, whom he feared, reverenced, and adored. Isn't that a wonderful statement, Jo? It certainly is. It's It just, um, but we must remember that these people were not perfect. Sure. Um, you know, even Noah, you know, he found grace, and grace is unmerited favor. He wasn't mm-hmm. perfect, and that's why God found, you know, saved him. Um, it was because he was perfectly obedient and had perfect faith towards God. We know that these were just people like ourselves, but who um, acted on their faith. There are many that Mm. could have entered the ark, but chose not to. Mm. And so I think that the more time that we spend with God, We too, like Enoch, and I'm not suggesting we replicate this or, you know, but the more time we spend with God, the closer we become to him, closer we come to him. And the more we will get to understand and appreciate his character. And this surely will have an effect on our own. It's undoubted that it will. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, and it says here, the Lord loved Enoch because he steadfastly followed him and abhorred iniquity. So, spending time with God can unveil the heinousness of sin uh so that we do not um you know it's not that I've heard someone say it's not that um sin it's difficult to forgive sin, but sin in us creates a desire or or rather a um not really not really wanting to be forgiven not feeling that we need to be forgiven. Yes. So, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not that, yeah. you know, it's hard to forgive, but we don't want to be forgiven because we want to continue indulging. It, it, it,
4: it almost, uh, Joe, it almost, um, by what you're saying, if it, it's almost as though people become inoculated against, wanting, against yeah. wanting to even receive forgiveness.
1: That's it. They're just yeah. happy to go along their own yep. way.
4: And this is the situation that these people have got to. Len, you had a thought for us. Um, When
5: people are embroiled in sin, they don't want to be forgiven. There was a man who went to the doctor. He had problems with his liver and the doctor said, "Uh, your problem is that you have alcohol. Alcohol is not the best drink for you. And so um, the man said to the doctor, well, what's the second best doctor? In other words, he wanted to keep on drinking his alcohol mm-hmm. and so he uh, thought he would get the second best, which he hoped would be alcohol. And that's a bad situation. It really requires a transformation to move out of a life of sin to a life mm-hmm. of righteousness. It, and it, it involves looking to a new master yes. and it's very hard for when a person's involved in sin to come out of it, just like up, giving up smoking.
4: Yes. Yeah, good point, Lynn. Nick, you had a thought for us.
0: Yes, I was just glad that uh, Joe's mentioning that uh, uh, Noah or uh, Enoch, uh, they were like us. They were yes. sinful people. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. this is when you said that Noah found grace in yes. uh, the eyes of God. And we and and oh, he walked with God, and we pictured that that he must be perfect. And God took him uh, uh, away. These people, they were seen, uh, living in a very, I will say, uh, difficult uh, environment. Yes, yes. Uh, as it says in the Bible, that all their thoughts were just evil, evil. And uh, just picture that. Let look even around us today. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, lots of things just going so bad. And it's hmm. still a lot of good things happening there. Yeah. But w- the point was that Noah or Enoch, they were following what God was asking them to do. Yes. In their limited um, capacity. capacity. Mm. They mm. follow what God wanted for them. And that's exactly what God wants from us. Um, so. Sometimes mm. we may think, oh, but we are... Um, limited people. Yes, we are. And the more we acknowledge that, the better is that God can work in us, because God has a plan with us all. And even today, as we are going to this horrible time with wars, particularly in, in, uh, I saw last night a bit of a news uh, from um, Ukraine, Oh, desperation, Ter-
4: terrible, Make even the terrible.
0: soldiers there and mm. the, the army uh, pleading with the, with this world to to pull them out from there, particularly in that area where they are surrounded.
4: Yeah, Mariupol,
0: Mariupol. Mm. But, you know, God has a plan if we follow it. If we give ourselves to him, now this is the big problem for people who don't want to believe in God because they may say, where is God now when those people need him the most? Where is God? Sure, Sure. But we don't know the whole picture. And that's why we study the Bible. That's why we learn about the flood uh, situation. That's what Mm -hmm. we learn about to make the difference that the consequences... Mm -hmm are there. And mm. one more thing I want to say, um, because it was mentioned here about the sons of God and daughters of men, and I heard all sorts of explanation about that in regard to Cain, for example, because some of them said that the lineage of Cain represented that. Now, at the flood, keep in mind that all that lineage that was wiped out Yes. yes, it was. It was, you know, and it's a good point, if Nick. If hmm. people try to build on those things, we need to take in context when we say something. Because as Licha pointed out, after the flood, it started again. Some people start to continue to follow God from Noah's lineage. Yes. continue to follow God and some other people started to rebel against God. And that's where you see the difference. And it's so easy to just uh, make some, uh, uh, to assume certain things. But the Bible Hmm. is clear to keep us safe in our interpretation.
4: Yeah, thank you, Nick, and uh, and panel. Uh, Those comments have been very, very helpful indeed. I'm just looking at our time and uh, recognizing that we need to move on. Uh, God's solution uh, to the flood that he was about to bring on the ark obviously was for the purpose of preserving Noah and his family. And he said to him, and we won't take time to read the text, but he actually said to Noah to bring himself and his family and all the animals into the ark. And the Hebrew word for that is tevar, which is similar to the word used for ark, Similar to the little cradle or the little boat, if you want to use it, that Moses was put in back in the time of um, Pharaoh, where Moses was preserved or his mother and father preserved him by putting him in this little casket, which was found on the River Nile. And the question I had was this. What is our ark of safety today? If God could save Noah through a literal ark and he saved Moses through Putting him in a little boat. What is our ark of safety today? I wonder if someone could read Hebrews 9, verse 28. Um, I wonder, Lydia, could you read that verse for us? Thanks.
3: Yes. Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So, our ark of safety today is Jesus cling yes. to him, love him, and serve him, because those people in the time of Noah they had a chance to accept. Because in this time of building, it took Noah about a long time, quite few, a hundred years to build the ark. So yeah. every day Noah was talking to people when they were coming and see him building the ark, following God's instructions, and he called them. He he told them the story. He he tried to to explain to them, but people rejected. So they had their free choice, and we have our free choice to follow Jesus.
4: Yeah, um, Lydia, that's a very very good point. And before we come to Sharon, here's a point that I wonder whether we've thought of: when Noah started the building the ark, he didn't have any sons. You can study this up yourself. <laughs> His three sons were built between the time. That God told him he was going to send a flood. And when they went into the ark, so that's interesting. Sharon, you had a comment for us.
2: Um, yeah, just building on the ark being the, um, vehicle of, of safety for the, for Noah and his family. In, in the end, if we get a tiny bit philosophical, it's no different now to what it was then. They had to accept God's, um, path to safety. By faith, they'd never seen rain. Correct. They had to trust God, and and that His plan was really going to happen. And that is exactly how it operates for us today. We've we've never seen a, a, a Jesus second coming. We've never seen a world destroyed by fire. We accept that because God said so, and we've got good reasons to say that He's been reliable in the past. Uh, and so, just like us. The, the people before the flood had to put a tiny bit of just that little stretch from what they could see to what they couldn't see.
4: Mm. Sharon, I think that's a good point. Um, God's record so far, and I'm sure all of us could attest to that, what he has said has always happened. He has a 100% record, unlike some of the people that are um, we have around today. Joe, you had a thought for us as well. Thank you.
1: Um I think it's important to remember that the Noah for for start Noah ha- uh, preached in very, very difficult times, as Amen. already been mentioned. But do we realise that, you know, it's all right to be, you, you can't keep your faith up for a week or two weeks, but he kept it up for 120 years. He acted on faith. Uh, I think Sharon mentioned that no one had seen rain. There Correct. was no evidence. There was no yes. evidence that it was actually going to happen for 120 years. Yet he went on, he plotted along building this ark. He would have been ridiculed. By Mm. all and sundry, his even his members of his own family would have said that he was nuts, and yet he, (laughs) you know, and yet he persisted and Mm. was faithful to his charge. However, having said that. As sinful as people were, sometimes we think that God had set his heart on destroying the planet and he would do so. Had there been repentance, I believe that God, you know, and turning away from the sin and the violence um, when they heard Noah preach, because we know that um, he did preach to them, as is told in Hebrews, God would have relented and not destroyed the earth. Now that just doesn't mean that God would have changed his mind in a flippant sort of sense. Yeah. But given the changed attitude of the people, he would have relented and instruction would have been forestalled. Um, we have an example of this Jonah? in Nineveh, in Nineveh, yeah. don't yeah. we? Jonah. So had, and yeah, absolutely. And so had there been sufficient Impetus among the people. We know that it wasn't just Noah that preached. There mm. were others. There was Methuselah. There were yes. other people that preached as well, but no one. It just hit rock, <laughs> didn't it? And bounced off. It just not made no, no impact at all. And so had there been some repentance, some, you know, a change in their attitude. I believe that God would have, He would have spared the planet, but there good wasn't, point, jo, unfortunately. Good point.
4: Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty tragic, actually, because I believe the principle, the Jonah principle, as I call it, would certainly apply here.
1: And I would um, add to that. I would mm. also add to that is that uh, Peter tells us that God was not willing that any should perish, but all really? should come to repentance. Right. So I think that this, this would have also applied in, you know, in Noah's time as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, and those who perished in the flood were only those yeah. who rejected God's way of salvation. Yeah.
3: Okay, so we observed that Noah acted faithfully and obediently to God's command, following God's instructions, finishing the ark, and he did everything just as God commanded him. Now another unusual phenomenon took place over there before before the flood um, uh, took place, which the people from around there uh, witnessed. So in uh, chapter uh, seven, verse one, it says that God is instructing uh, Noah to take with him in the ark seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, male and female, and two of every kind of unclean animal. So there were so many animals coming into the ark, so Noah couldn't go into the wilderness to pick them up. But I think God guided the animals, you know, pair by pair to go into the ark. So this was an unusual phenomenon, which um... people witnessed. That So uh, they could see this and they could realize, wow, what is this? And they could realize that there is a God there who is fulfilling his mission. And Hmm. again, people failed their call.
0: Yeah, that's a good thought, Legit. Brenton, just before you move on, uh, because I really want to point out something here, a bit of an object lesson we need Hmm. to, uh, up to here, you know, to take on board. And I would like to... (laughs) address this to each one of us but also to to our listener that you know as noah and we said that he was faithful for 120 years Mm -hmm. faithfully preaching with those uh, uh, with the hammer maybe and the nails and all those things
4: yes that was a form of witnessing too
0: absolutely Mm. but when people were so preoccupied with themselves and they were living probably the best life they were uh, as it says the Bible that their heart was so evil and they were doing all sorts of things saying this is our time but there came a, a, a situation, a time there came a time when they cry out mm-hmm. and they cry out to Noah and said, Noah, please let us in mm. now, I don't want each one, none of us to be in that situation to cry out when it's too late yeah, good but point, Nick. Today, it's our time. The Bible says, today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, harden, harden, your heart. harden not your heart. Mm-hmm. And it may be that we're hearing the preaching, the voice of the Lord through different things, but we say, okay, well, we'll do this later on. Mm-hmm. You know what? With the things going on today, in a very rapid succession we don't know how much time we have until that door will be closed. Yes. And it's our time today, and I really encourage us all and our listener to take a decision for the Lord today.
4: Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Well, moving on, folk, because time is against us, I'm going to basically blend two sections here. The flood, we know that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says it uh the flood waters rose for 150 days they abated for 150 days then there was a period of time after that uh before noah actually left the ark and as i think sharon pointed out or it might have been uh, joe that um nothing the first time you find noah actually making any comment at all is right at the end of this narrative which we don't really touch on um he simply did what god asked him to do and um, so moving right along, I want to move on to how did they survive during the flood? And there's a brief comment here. I wonder, Len, could you read that comment for us, please? It says angels that excel in strength. Well, before I read and share this brief comment, I'd
5: like <laughs> I to say that. that I have seen two of the existing three life-size models of the ark. Yes you have There's always the perennial question How could all the different animals and birds and so on Fit on the ark Well not necessarily all the species But all the kinds But I can tell you They are huge You have no idea until you've seen how big they are I saw one in Dordrecht in Holland That's been moved to England now I've seen the other one in Hong Kong And there's another one in Kentucky in the United States. Yes, that's right. And I saw a picture, an artist's impression of what it was like when this ark or the ark was floating on the sea. And it's horrific. It's like a huge storm and there are huge waves. But the comment that I would like to share is this, angels That excel in strength guided the ark and preserved it from harm. Every moment during that frightful storm of 40 days and 40 nights, the preservation of the ark was a miracle of divine power. In other words, God was tenderly watching over and had his servants, the angels, protect uh, Noah, his wife and family, and all the animals and birds, etc., that were on there, from having any harm,
4: Yeah.
5: and that's beautiful.
4: Yes, Nick, did you have a comment or
0: just another object lesson, uh, <laughs> Brenton? I love to to think that um, during the construction of that ark, there were many people helping Noah to build that yes. ark, yes. involved in building that object uh, which will save their mm. life. Yeah. Now we make a parallel that uh, Jesus is our uh, ark. Uh, mm. Through Jesus we are uh, saved. And I just want to point out again I hope that we will not be Christians or followers of Jesus just with a name involved in in God's work mm. but mm. not entering uh, you know, uh, into into that relationship with yes. Jesus, our Lord, the personal relationship, because this can be devastating again.
4: Yeah, thank you, Nick. Thank you very much. Uh, moving on to the end of the flood. You know, well, when I was st- studying this topic before we um, share it with our listeners today, one of the key verses I found personally was Genesis 8, verse 1. And um it's interesting that the word for remember is the Hebrew word zakar. I wonder, Sharon, would you be able to read Genesis 8 verse
2: 1? Genesis 8 verse 1, and I'm reading from the King James Version. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged
4: that's an old term, Sharon, it's, a sway.
2: Yeah, so I guess that means they slowly went down. Yeah,
4: abated. Probably abated would be another word for it.
2: Yeah. I, okay. I kind of like old English. Um, but anyway, <laughs> "zakar" remember, means that God had not forgotten. It is more than just a mental exercise. In the biblical context, the God who remembers means the fulfillment of his promise and often refers to salvation, says C. Genesis nineteen twenty one. In the context of the flood, God remembered means that the waters stopped and that Noah will soon be able to leave the ark. Yeah. Good news. Um, Yeah. Oh, it's great news that it, but it's not, I like this concept of remembering that comes again and again in the Bible because it's not a passive, oh, I've forgotten for years, but then I suddenly think I'll wake up.
4: Someone's brought it to my attention. Yes, it,
2: it, it's brought out now. Is the time to act.
4: Mm. Yeah, good thought, Sharon. Yeah, Joe, did you have a thought on this one? It's how, what, how do you see the concept before you? So, how do you see the concept of remember? God remembered. Oh, clearly He didn't forget. So well, exactly it's not what like does He it was,
1: was. Yeah, like it's. You know, it wasn't like, oh, oh no, I just remembered. Noah's still in the ark. You know, it's been about a year. But um but you know, it's he he was sustained through continuous miracles. God knew he was there. And I think this remember is an active form of remember. It's yes. a remember that is a has an action involved. And I think whenever God remembers things, there's an action involved. Um I think Sharon, you might have touched on that. I think it has implications for remember the Sabbath day.
4: I believe so, yes.
1: You know, it's not like, oh, just, oh, yeah, I know that it's the Sabbath today and that's an intellectual exercise, but you need to act on the fact that it is the Sabbath day and act appropriately. And another thing that comes to my mind is that God also says that I will remember your sins no more. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that God can't recall them. It just means that he chooses not to recall them. He will not bring them up. That, um, in Jeremiah, I think Hebrews actually quotes that Jeremiah verse twice. He says, yes, for I will forgive their iniquity yeah. and I will remember their sin no more. And I think it's, it's wonderful when God remembers mm. us in the right way. <laughs>
4: Uh, Joe, that's, uh, that's very, very true. We're going to have a look at the covenants now. Um, I want um, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 18 and Genesis nine eleven both refer to covenant. What I'm trying to get to here is what is the covenant about? Clearly, this is not the covenant that God made with Abraham. Abraham doesn't come on the scene for about another five or six generations, at least. So it's not the the covenant that God made with Abraham. It's the covenant that God made with Noah initially in his family and also the animals in the ark. I wonder, Len, would you be able to read those two verses for us and comment on them for us? What is God actually meaning here?
5: I'll read the verses together. Sure. And Genesis 6.18, But I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. But then across Genesis nine eleven, I will establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. The implication is the whole earth. Yes. All right. Actually, there are two statements within this covenant. Number one is that God would use Noah Noah, to preserve human and animal life on the earth for when the flood receded. Mm -hmm. And then God added to that and he said, okay, I will never again cause a worldwide flood. Now I know there might be some people thinking, well, How can this be? Because it also speaks of the flood, that the fountains of the deep were opened. Yes. I want to share something which makes a lot of sense with me. One of the books I've read about this, the author author proposes that when the world was made, there was solid rock, then there was a layer of water, and over the top was a mantle of rock and soil, Mm -hmm. which... uh, which is where things grew, and it was his proposal that part of the flood was a collapse of this mantle which then would have displaced the water that was underneath to be on top. Now, look, I'm not saying this is gospel, but it (laughs) makes sense to me when you think, well, where would all that water come from? How would water flow upward? Well, it would flow upward if that was the case. However, the thing I want to uh, um, come back to here is God made these covenants. He did use Noah and his family to repopulate the earth and he never again has allowed a worldwide flood. No, there are local floods. Yes. That's not a worldwide flood. We're talking about a worldwide flood. God is faithful to his promise. When he makes a covenant...
0: He's not going to break
4: it. Mm, thank you, Len. I, I believe that's a very, very valid point, Nick. Uh, what just I want me to add, and then what, Joe,
0: yeah, what I want <coughs> to add to what Len was saying there, sure. it's not just simply because uh, uh, God said that I will never destroy uh, humanity through flood. You know, this is a prophecy here also. Because uh, God is in control of all things. Now, you know, people today, they uh, will say there will be all sorts of major um, disasters. And even the uh, movies are made, you know, with those things, even sometimes big tsunami, floods uh, and all those things. But God said, will not be true flood again. But God continue to speak about uh, uh, the destruction of this world. And um I'll just want to throw quickly, you know, if you read the book of Daniel, it depicts that the history, all the empires, you know, coming yes. in the picture. Yes. But in yes. the yes. end it talks about our time and it says about that the, you know the clay and the the uh, the feet there, they will they will claim but they will never never succeed again. Mm. Why? Because it's a prophecy. Yeah. When God mm. says that, it says with the reason to get us Mm. to be led by what God says, because what God says comes true. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's not just simply because, okay, uh, I'm not going to destroy you by fire again, uh, Mm. and then forget about that now. But what the Bible says furthermore about God's plan of salvation for us Mm. all, because we may think, (laughs) okay, we are safe now. God will never destroy humanity. Actually, Mm. humanity will come to destruction in other form.
4: Yes, it will. Um, Joe,
1: This is, um, interestingly, the first time in Genesis um, 6.18, and then it's repeated in Genesis 9.11, the first time that the word covenant is actually used in the Bible. Yes, it is. Um, And also I think the word altar is also used for the first time I think the first covenant, we're talking about the covenants, the first covenant that God, was God giving his pledge to protect Noah and his family. God initiates this covenant because really he is the only one who can keep it. There's no way that Noah yes. could have saved himself yeah. or his family. And when they came out of the ark, imagine the desolation of the world that yeah, it must have been overwhelming so that they may have even feared, how are we, how are we going to survive yeah. in such an inhospitable place? And God again renews this covenant of protection, which he then extends to the world with a pledge not to destroy the world with the flood. Now we know that, and we'll probably mm. study later, that people don't really believe this. But yeah. here, God is covenanting because he's in a position of power. He is the only one who's able to keep that promise. Yeah. He offers protection and promises protection for the new family.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Joe, he can make the statement, but he can also fulfill it.
3: It says in the Bible that God remembered again about this covenant that he made with every creature on the earth, that he will never flood the, the earth again by giving the rainbow promise which we can see the rainbow every day now when it's raining and you know the rays of sunshine attaching the drops of the uh, rain so god remembers actually it's not that god has to remember when the rainbow appears in the sky it's it's a remembers for us people to yeah. remember god's promise yeah,
4: yeah it's a, it's a personal promise isn't it Lydia? Yeah. not just an interesting um physical phenomenon yeah. we know that God's rainbow of promise which we haven't touched on specifically but it's in the scripture and those of us who have read it and those who are listening if you read Genesis 9 you'll find that God made a uh, several times I think three times he says i have put my bow in the cloud it will be a sign that I will never again destroy the earth by a flood uh, John saw in vision a rainbow surrounding the throne of God we find that in Revelation four three. Man looks on the bow to recall the promises of God, but God himself looks upon it to remember and fulfill his promise. In the bow, man's faith and trust meets God's faithfulness and immutability. I like that. I think that's a very good uh, comment. Is God faithful today to us? I believe he is. And I'm sure if we had further time, we could give a personal testimony of God's faithfulness to us individually. I just want to conclude with a brief uh, comment here and then a challenge for us. The earth, once beautiful and perfect, offered a picture of utter desolation. Joe, you touched on that. As far as the eye could reach, man had received a lesson of the awful results of sin. The unfallen worlds had seen the fearful, End to which man comes when he follows the bidding of Satan. A new beginning was made. After having been saved by God's grace from the greatest imaginable cataclysm, the descendants might be expected to apply for all future ages the lessons learned from the flood. I believe the challenge for us today is did they learn anything from it, and do we? Are we choosing to follow God? Sharon, I wondered if you would close with prayer for us, please.
2: Sure. Heavenly Father, thank you that you and your wisdom and love have written the record that we've been studying today of, of the events that caused you to decide to destroy the world with water and the way that you rescued the life on Earth through the ark and through one person who was faithful. Yes. Thank you that you're faithful and that we can just cling to you no matter what storms hit our lives, that you've got a covenant reaching out to each of us. And we just choose to accept that today yes. for ourselves and to be as faithful as Noah was in in his duty that you gave him to do. Thank you for filling us with your Love and your peace, even in these um, upsetting times that sometimes we have to go through. Just thank you that you're always with us. Yes. In your yes. name, Amen.
0: Mm, amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for uh, your participation today. It was a great study. And, uh, Brenton, you just said, uh, I wonder if uh, people learned uh, the lesson. Um, I after did, that, I did. Devastating event the flood but please join us again next time because we'll learn very quickly that they didn't we are going to talk about all nations and bubble may god richly bless you and walk safe in the footsteps of jesus get into the ark while it's still time (laughs) yes (laughs)